Team 128, you, you get to write your own story. Okay, but y'all ain't done nothing yet. Four and a half months, all right? Got spring ball done, okay? But we got a lot of work to do. And you're going to get exactly what you earn. Nothing more, nothing less. And uh, so for me, I used it, try to use it as an opportunity with the players to let them know, you know, y'all know, I just had Adrian Peterson sitting up in my office now, right? With, his, with two kids. He's got two little boys, Axel and, and Adrian Jr. And for me, because I've talked to our players about it many times, I want that 35, 40-year-old version of you, want to come back here and hug my neck, bring your children, because you loved your college experience, because people treated you the right way, because they didn't use you, okay? They empowered you and equipped you, not entitled you. Everything the man says feels like absolute gold, and that quote is no, no different, man. They are, you know, they are serious about you going out and getting your degree. I think the the thing that he tells them is, above all, we want you to graduate. And his philosophy is, if you take care of the things that need to be taken care of, everything else is going to fall into place. So some fans might hear that and say, "Whoa, Brent." Forget about graduating. Let's win football games first. Well, Brent's, Brent's thing is you graduate, you do the right things on the field, you do the right things off the field. You can actually have both. You can graduate and you can win a whole lot of football games. So it just makes you feel even better about the uh, direction of this program. Yeah, it's it's similar to the old adage of if you just put your head down and work, by the time you look up, you, know, you, you are where you wanted to be. Um, and I, I will say... I feel like the, you know, the OU creative department, even even putting together um, these these little snippets, has become so much easier under uh, Brent Venables because yeah. <laughs> you have just endless quotes that are are poignant and they're they're they seem to be hitting home too for a lot of these guys that we talk to players, even former players that were coming back, uh, even your Perry on Winfrey's of the world and your Isaiah Thomas that come back and and did some of their NFL prep here. They're like, man, just even little things like like there's no trash in the locker room. That even little things like that uh, that just kind of represent is the amount of trash indicative of how many games you win necessarily? No. But, you know, every little bit matters. Yep. It's kind of like we were talking about with the social media, you know, the social media monitoring if you will. Are all the best behaved Social media, you know, recruits, the ones with the best social media habits, automatically the ones that are going to come and win you a title? No, not necessarily, but it just gives you a little more information about them. The quote of the Knights in Duncan yesterday was, soft hands don't wear championship rings. I want to put that on a t-shirt so bad. It's one of my uh, one of the, one of the best sayings I think that Brent Venables has thrown out. Soft hands don't wear championship rings. And that's what you're talking about. It's quote like quotes like that that the fan base is eating up. You know, he was, the more that I think about it, he was tailor-made for this OU job. And it was the perfect timing for it. Because I think everything that he says and what he's about, the OU fan base eats up because they believe that that's how a program should be run. A program should be run with toughness and with discipline and with the details. I don't know if every program out there in the country 
where fans are eating out of his hand as much as they are at OU right now. Like, if he was out on the West Coast in the Pac-12, I don't know if every single school out there is like, yes, oh my God, the Brent Venables way, it's just absolutely perfect. I, I mean, I think he could succeed everywhere he goes, but understand my point. Like, he is a perfect fit for this fan base because what this fan base feels like a program should look like is really kind of indicative of everything that he's trying to sell. So it really, so far, so far, it's it's been the perfect marriage. Yeah, and I think upon hearing that quote, uh, a lot of the people on the radio and a lot of people in the fan base would wonder if those soft hands had painted nails attached to them. Um, but I suppose that's a that's a conversation for a different day. Um, but I, I do think that we needed to go through Lincoln. You know, I, I, I think that if Bob Stoops would have just handed it off to Brent, I don't think he would have the fan base as, you know, in the palm of his hand as sure. he does now. Because I think as, as much as at the time we were the ones that were defending Lincoln and defending that brisket, and it was it – was, we, we had kind of just kind of just lost track of almost who we were as a program. I mean, you see a completely linear, um, you know, a, a, a line down from, okay, for his first year, overtime with Georgia. Next year, lost by, what, 11 to Alabama, and then got the doors blown off us by LSU the next year. The next year, we win the Big 12 but don't make the playoff, and the next year, we don't make the Big 12 championship. There that, was a trend, That man. is That There's is a obvious straight trend. line down. So I think you needed that to kind of, you know, kickstart the program, just, just jostle us just a little bit, and then when Brent comes in, it, it feels, okay, this just feels right again. By the way, the uh, brisket that, yeah, some of us actually defended a little bit blind at the time. Was that brisket, though? Was that smoked in one of no, your no, smokers? No, okay, I, no. I, I never knew that story. No, I was he, like, he, oh, doesn't wow. know, he doesn't. Mine are gateway drum smokers. He doesn't know how to cook on drums. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do that. So, no, it was absolutely not. That was his Easter uh, brisket uh, that he shared with us <sighs> a little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So well, we put it in tacos, and I mean, you can even ask uh, you can ask our strength and conditioning coordinator Benny Wiley. He said that they were some of the best brisket tacos he ever had. Okay, okay. I, I know what good barbecue looks like, and, and a picture can pretty much tell me what good barbecue looks like for the most part, especially yeah. brisket. Yeah, you once know? You, man, once you put that in that taco, and you know. Drench it with ketchup or something like that. I'm sure. <laughs> right. you know, yeah, right? that's the only way it's gonna. <laughs> yeah, right. like, like, yeah, the bris- good brisket you don't put on a taco, okay. right? It's yeah. great by itself. I'm just saying that probably wasn't the only poor food food decision that was it made was, that day. It was probably Benny Wiley's idea. Like, man, you know what would be good here if we just slapped a tortilla on it and put some cheese and some barbecue sauce and maybe some lettuce and maybe some tomatoes and maybe some ketchup and whatever else you got in the fridge. That would really make this basically like pop, stone dude. soup. Stone soup. I don't know uh, who else read that book in elementary school, but um, not I. The, not I. The idea was that you would, um, you know, cook the stone and turn it into the soup, but you had to <laughs> add all these other ingredients to it. And uh, yeah, I think the brisket was the stone in the situation. Big story going into the weekend: General Booty is on campus visiting. Yeah, no, that's an actual recruit that is on campus. General Booty is his name. He is a junior college quarterback, and yeah, if you're just now tuning in, for the past uh, about six hours on this station, five hours on this station, we have been laughing at the possibility of a guy named General Booty being a part of the OU football roster. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that you know they're a, they've been a Booty guy this, this entire time. 
I would love to go back through the text line and pick out some of the best text, but it's hard, man. Some of those are way too inappropriate to say. Funny, but inappropriate to say. It sounds like it's between OU and New Mexico for General Booty's services. Um, <laughs> I don't think General Booty would ever be a starting quarterback at OU, but Travis, it would be awesome if we got to talk about this guy for the next two years or so. Please well, let it happen. What confuses me a little bit is – I mean, why? I mean, I get I get depth is important, but why would he Why would he come here? I mean, where would he be on the depth chart to start? Right? Because you three got, third probably at best a backup. You, I don't know if he would he be above Evers at this point. Uh, may, maybe not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it's I mean, would you put you put him above Ralph Rucker? Maybe at this point, Ralph Rucker's been in the you know gone through spring and done all this. Micah Bowen's you know played in the spring game like. Like I said, I like depth as much as the next guy, um, but I I see him going to New Mexico, and and I know that the text line <laughs> won't like that, uh, as and Steely would hate that because I know Steely <laughs> Steely is somewhere right now with a notepad cracking up. <laughs> That's all and, he's doing, all and he's on long. his eighth page of booty <laughs> jokes. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he wants to put those to he, use. I love him. He's the oldest at the station, but the most down to spend a two-hour show just cracking booty jokes the entire time. <laughs> there is a beauty in that, and there was from noon to two earlier today. I, I, what's funny is you said there is a beauty in that, and I had I just thought you were saying booty again because oh, yeah. I, I hadn't even considered there was another word that sounded like The it. NIL possibilities. Like, we joke about that, but that's not a joke. Like I, I saw a – I'm like, I think you were sitting in here with me during Locked In – and there was a somewhere in Manhattan, Kansas. It was like a portable bathroom company. Yeah, and it was about du- Deuce. Yes, yeah, Deuce said, Vaughn was it in said there. No, yeah. no deuces yeah. in here. And Deuce Vaughn like raced the guy to the bathroom, and it said no deuces on it. And he was like, "Oh man, I can't go use the bathroom in there." So, like, people are willing and down to use stuff like that. Use you know, use funny things like that in nil deals. General Booty would absolutely get NIL deals if he ends up at OU. Oh, undoubtedly. And I hope that this station would be one of those that would take the opportunity for oh, NIL deals. Absolutely. If he if if he got paid by mention, then he'd be able to retire uh, after today. So, yeah, one of my favorite NIL deals, and you look at a lot of these NIL deals, and it's it's kind of been demonized throughout the sport, but I think an all-time NIL deal was – the Kansas player that got the Applebee's two for 20 yeah. after they yeah. beat Texas on a two-point conversion. And he gets in there and he's in the Applebee's, looks at the commercial and says, always go for two. <laughs> I mean, that is what NIL was built for right there. That is uh, that is incredible entertainment. Uh, text line says, do general booties like soft hands? Uh, yes. I, I, well, if we ever get him on the air, it's the first question we'll ask. How about that? I'll lead right in there. If he scores a touchdown, does the booty clap? <laughs> I know the student section is going to chant, we want booty, really loud. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, he may I, be I thought it was a great comment earlier that it was, you know, general from one side and booty from the other. <laughs> replace yeah. the boomer and sooner. Uh, brisket shake weights, making fun of Benny Wiley. Could I you imagine, that. you know, at the spring game, you know, coach comes out and just gives the boomer and all 75,000 rain in with sooner. Could you imagine Brian Venables? General booty from 88,000 everyone people. would know. Yeah. You would not have to prompt the crowd. 
You would not have to prompt the crowd on that. Oh, Everyone man. would know immediately what to say. <laughs> uh, they want me to say General Booty's name in the stadium announcer voice. All right, hold on here. Mm-hmm. Now entering a quarterback, General Booty. <laughs> and he, he, would, he, he would get the hook on it at the end of it. Oh, yeah. It'd be pretty sweet. But, uh, yeah, we've been pretty immature today with General Booty on campus. Um, there is someone else on campus. A former Clemson commit, Reed. Uh, uh, how do how do I say it? Mikeska is that is that how I say it? Uh, Reed Mikeska. He was uh, committed to Clemson as a tight end, and this staff has a type, and he fits right into that type. Six five and a half, two hundred and thirty three pounds at a Cypress, Texas. He is a three star in the twenty twenty three class. Again, he was a Clemson commit, and you'll ask, okay, well, why did he decommit from Clemson? Well, the same policy that exists here exists at Clemson. You can be committed here, but if you want to take other visits, well, you can't be committed here, so you got to make a choice. Sounds like this kid wanted to take other visits, can't be a Clemson commit and visit other places, and the thought is that once he takes his visit this weekend, if it doesn't happen immediately after, shortly thereafter, there's a real chance that you're going to get a commit from this kid. Yeah, I believe he set up a Florida visit as well, so that may not bode well for the timeline of the commitment. But, yeah, I mean, of all places, this should look wildly familiar because same policy that we have. So, uh, And and that's where it kind of comes down to with our whole state of recruiting, if you will. Uh, People are setting up their OVs, and a lot of teams, like you said, they, they don't have five commits. That's where we got, under the, under the Riley administration, we kind of took advantage of that emotion after the visit, unofficial or official, and say, hey, if you want to pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And they'd commit, there'd be all this fanfare, and then we would end up with, you know, all of our wide receivers leaving the 2022 class. Yeah. Or we'd end up somebody flipping on signing day. Or anything like Like, I don't think, I guess it's just two schools of thought because we did put together some fantastic classes with that other way, and we'll put fantastic classes together with the Venables strategy. It's just I think we'll have a lot less heartache and moaning and groaning uh, coming up to signing day than we may have in, in years past. And I haven't looked at whether Clemson, while Venables was there, had any signing day flips or anything like that, because obviously the, the ones that we went through – are more memorable because this is the school that, sure. that I pay attention to. But it would be interesting to go back and look at if that also happened to Clemson. Because I, I guarantee you if I'd have said, hey, guys, we may not have a full recruiting class in May, but you're going to be a heck of a lot happier on signing day when you don't see a bunch of blue chips leaving the door Easy to choice. go to somewhere else. Easy choice. Easy choice. And there'll be more drama on signing day. There's been several signing days here previously where there hasn't been a whole lot of drama and if you've got, you know, four four stars making their announcement and three or four of them picked OU on signing day, yeah, that can give you a ton of momentum. I, I, I think that the the idea and the plan behind that is, you know, they don't want you to take another visit. I do think it's another branch, though, of what he wants the program to be all about. I don't think it just exists once you're officially a part of the team. I think it exists when you get recruited. Like, don't get any false sense of what's going to be an expected and demanded of you when you actually get on campus. Like, no, if you want to be committed to this team, then be committed to this team. Know what commitment looks like. 
Don't go around and flirt with other schools and go visit other schools. It's like from the moment that you commit, you're committed here. You're committed to this team and nobody else. So I like the idea of it, of of how they're approaching recruiting, but I think it's also just kind of an extension of how they want this whole program. How They want you to know immediately how things are going to go here. They don't want to sell you on this false sense of what the program is. You get here and it looks like something totally different. I think kids know from the start what the program is going to look like with their first interaction with the staff. Yeah, and I think it, it is just putting value in those in those roster spots, in those scholarships, in the offers, in the official visit weekends, and as we said earlier, uh, in the season tickets. You know, put keep, keep those things valuable. Uh, if you if you start devaluing those in house, then that leaks to everywhere in the rest of the program. It's been a bootyful Friday the thirteenth. You might have to take a timeout for that one. All right, I'll I'm tell you. Come on. I'll tell you what. The number thirteen. You know, it resembles a little bit of. Anyways. Yeah. A little bit of a booty <laughs> itself. So, Good point. All right, keep it coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. What's the softball score, by the way? Uh, 4-1 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Uh, it, Texas is uh, up in the bottom of the fifth. Um, just started uh, first batter at the top of the fifth inning. All right, well, Oklahoma State wins. They'll play OU tomorrow in the Big 12 Championship, 1 o'clock on ESPN2 in Oklahoma City. More football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Taking you home on a Friday. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. There's Brandon Walker, a bar stool. One minute he's hot on OU, the other minute he's saying that the fans are idiots and everyone around here sucks. So, uh, kind of depends on the day of what Brandon Walker is going to say on OU. But as far as that take, uh, I I agree with it, and I think everyone else agrees with me with the, with me as well. You know, I, I say this all the time, Travis, and I said it to someone who hosts a radio show in Nashville earlier this week. Is you know, I've seen a lot of head coaching searches, not around here when it comes to football. We were kind of noobs when it comes to that, mm-hmm. but I've seen a whole lot of uh, head coaching changes throughout college football, and at every single one of those. There may be a majority of the fan base that loves the hire, but there's always just at least a small section of the fan base that wants to knock it down for whatever reason. Hosting this show, I see all opinions all day long, especially on the text line and on social media. I can't remember another coaching search where I said to myself, wow, 100% of the fan base is actually all behind on this hire. I've never seen that before, and... God, there's a chance you may never see it again with how volatile things are on social media. Yeah, and bringing up specifically the the Brandon Walker point, it's funny to watch the national writers and the national podcasters, the national media, if you will, uh, when it was popular to hate on Oklahoma and say, "Man, you guys should have moved. You should move on." You know, stop tweeting at Lincoln Riley, blah, blah, blah. He, but he's going to take your whole program. He's going to take Caleb Williams. He's going to take Mario. All this stuff because they were getting massive amounts of reaction to it. They were getting tons of engagement. So that was the move. But now, especially after this Jordan Addison stuff and after Pitt's coach called Lincoln Riley reportedly multiple times to voice his displeasure with the Jordan Addison situation, I think now they're realizing, oh, we can get even more reach if Lincoln Riley's the villain. So let's flip it. It's almost like you want to give them 
little truth serum or hook them up to a polygraph and say, okay, what do you actually believe? Because I've heard you argue both sides of the argument, sometimes within the same week, and argue it with such passion that you've got to believe one of the two. So I think that's what's kind of interesting. And I'll go back to my point about the timing of it. I agree that Brent Venables is, I mean, I haven't seen anybody say, you know, I like Brent, but I don't know. I kind of wanted Luke Fickle. Oh, man, I kind of wanted Matt Rule. Uh, I kind of, we're not hearing any. I wanted Dan Lanning. Nobody's saying those things. I think part of it is we know him. Stoops, he got the, the, the stamp of approval from Stoops. He's a Midwest guy, you know, got the Snyder and Stoops and Dabo. It's, I think, if we would have gone straight from Stoops to Brent, there may have been some of those those quiet corners of no people doubt. saying, oh, well, I think we should have gone this other it's direction. It's a top five job. Why are we settling for a guy that's already yeah, on staff? Right, exactly. Know? Or why? Exactly. So I, so I think it's the perfect situation, especially talking back to the spring game, the, the historic spring game, now that we know the numbers and everything like that. I mean, it worked itself into the perfect setup. We had 75,000 in a tornado watch, and it was because the most beloved Sooner of probably my lifetime was coming back, who's going to be on campus, new coach, new quarterback, new I mean, everything new, and post-COVID, all this, it really set up uh, to be special timing and momentum. Yeah, uh, by the way, they sounds like their Kyler Murray statue is going to happen next year. Um, think something uh, about that on the Board of Regents meeting, uh, or so, something happened today, something came out to where it sounds like Kyler statue. That's not going to be a surprise. We thought that that was always going to be the case, but uh, next year, I'm going to guess the spring game, we might see Kyler Murray statue reveal. We'll see if they can pile in 75000 again next year. Going to be highly dependent on what the season looks like, but man... If they have a great year and it looks like there's a whole lot of momentum going into 2023 and they got a real shot at winning the national championship, they'll have a real chance at getting uh, 75000 in there again. These caravans have been a lot of fun. Um, all three stops up to this point have had a uh, ton of people show up. The fan base is engaged. And I think that's one thing that this new staff has done a really good job of it, it, it engaging the fan base. You know, I feel like the fan base maybe feels more a part of things than they have in recent years. You kind of felt like an outsider. I think ex-players, to a certain point, felt like an outsider. That cannot be the case. There's been an open-door policy for ex-players, and the fan base is um, as charged up as they've been in the past. I was reading yesterday, someone handed me a flyer of the Brent Venables camp, and there is like a ton of camp days coming up, I think, in early June. And they're even doing some creative things for some of the women that are OU fans out there to get them involved in the program, correct? Yeah, I actually – I was tweeting about it earlier uh, because especially throughout the offseason, uh, me spending probably far too much time on Twitter, if you ask my friends and family, um, I, I saw a lot of women that you know are in OU Twitter especially that are extremely knowledgeable, uh, extremely passionate, and it was cool to see – uh, the Coach V12 Foundation, have a ladies' clinic, a ladies' football clinic. And I had reached out uh, to somebody on staff to kind of ask, hey, like, what what does that entail, right? Uh, you know, it's $150 for the general admission, uh, and then the VIP admission is, is 250 But it's going to be Saturday, July 16th. Uh, it's it's an all-day event. Registration starts at 730, and then the event goes from 930 to 5 p.m., 
You get breakfast and lunch. You get a T-shirt and a swag bag. They w- they will have drills there. So if you want to go through the drills, you can. But it's definitely not not a necessity. They're not going to be doing the Oklahoma drill out there uh, between between the fans. But uh, they'll have X's and O's. You'll actually be learning the game as well from some of the best coaches in the country. You'll be able to take pictures with coaches and players. And you know, tax season just passed us by. It is a write-off because oh, it's going nice. to charity. So wow. it is a write-off. My so. wife might be interested in that one. I think Mike Stoops told her one time that she could be a defensive back. Uh, and, and her response was, I'm a linebacker, I think is her exact <laughs> words. So she's a little feisty. She might like to to get out there and, uh, and mix it up. I'm sure that that might be the case. So you might see a uh, member of our family out there. No, that's that, that's that's pretty cool though. That's that's cool that they're doing that uh, for sure. Um, in terms of concerns with this team, because we, you know, we've been looking at the positives all day long, and there are a lot of positives to share. But by no means is this a perfect football team. It's not. So in terms of where your concerns are with this squad, where they got got to get better, where would you start going into summer of? yeah, this position needs to get better before we kick things off in September. I would probably point to, if I had to pick a group, I'd probably point to the offensive line, simply because anytime you have new starters or starters that, I mean, we looked at the center position and those guys are banged up through spring, you need those reps. When you have a new quarterback, you know, new running back, obviously Eric Gray returns, uh, but when you look at kind of those three that are going to be back there a lot, you need the offensive line to be on the same page, need to be able to communicate. And I think I think if we see the offensive line go back to anywhere close to what we saw in, you know, 2017, 2018, I think we're going to be in really good shape. Uh, we've heard comments that the offensive line is getting back to going north and south as opposed to east and west, and we know what Levy likes to do in the second half is you get a lead you run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You look at how he distributed his carries last year at Ole yep. Miss, and he had three running backs with over 100 carries and Matt Corral, their quarterback, with over 100 carries. So four different players had over 100 carries, and that is because they want to lean on you in that second half. And that's where I think – I mean, you win you win games in the trenches, you know. You, you, that's why all these people that have Texas and USC ranked so highly in preseason stuff – their offensive lines in both places are no good. Yeah. Texas points yep. to their 2022 class as you know nine offensive linemen that are going to come in and fix everything. I don't know. If your strategy is to come in and plug a bunch of true freshmen, most of which aren't even on campus right now, into into this offense and think you're going to stand up to a, a Todd Bates defensive line or, I don't know, when Alabama comes to town, Texas should use some of that NIL money that they're putting together to pay – Will Anderson, maybe a couple other Alabama yeah. players to maybe take off that weekend. The game is being played out on the perimeter more than it ever has been. There is no doubt about that. But while that is true, and while speed does matter on the outside, you're right, man. Games are still won and lost in the same area, and it's up front. And you can be flashy, and you can be fast all you want. And OU was flashy, and they were fast in 2017. 
But what they didn't have an answer for was a simple trap play, you know, or just a basic simple run play with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in the Rose Bowl, right? For that great offense that they had, Georgia could just turn in hand and a couple times. I think they had like 70-plus-yard touchdown passes. So it still matters, man. Um, it still matters. And if this OU offensive line is good, I've said it countless times this offseason, this offense got a chance to be – one of the better O lines in the country, but they've got to be they've got to be legit up front, and they've got to figure out a way to develop a consistent pass rush. They have to. Yeah, I, I have I have a when you look at the coaching there and adding Schmitty to the to the recipe, if you will, in your list of ingredients. I I think I think there was some frustration there, and I think it's been reported there was some frustration there. Uh, Bill Biddingbow needs his guys to look a certain way to be able to you know, perform a certain way. So the workouts that they were doing, I don't think were the best workouts for offensive linemen. I think you get Schmitty back in town. I think Biedenboe's probably happy about that. I mean, Biedenboe is one of the best assistant coaches in the country, position coaches in the country. I'm not even saying offensive line coaches in the country. He's one of the best position coaches in the country, any position. You get that guy back with Schmitty and with some guys that, that can really gel and stay healthy, of course. I mean, I, I saw something from, I forget what publication it was, uh, so I forgive on that, but they had Anton Harrison as going to be the first uh, uh, tackle taken off the board. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, okay. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, huh. I'm not going to argue, you know, you know, who am I, who am I to argue that? But it's offensive line play. I think with our pass rush, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of stripling and downs in the backfield. Yeah, looking for a big year for Ethan Downs. By the way, you said that the previous staff, you don't think the offseason conditioning and what they were doing was best for the offensive line. Who was it best for? What position was the previous? Uh, kettlebells, is that good for defensive backs? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, text line, by the way, good to hear Travis on the way, uh, radio. Well-deserved and appreciate the insight. That's from Brian in Maryland. Brian, appreciate you interacting with the show. Hope the young man is not a snooty booty. That's in reference to General Booty being on campus. There is there. This is the one time where being a major booty would be far superior to a general. See, so people like to throw out. We even talked. We haven't talked about General Booty in like thirty minutes. Jeez, but even thirty minutes here? past, people are like, "Nah, I got to get these comments." Got to got to I've been thinking about this all day long. <laughs> one more. Victoria says, "I'm thrilled to get more information about what I will be doing at the ladies' clinic VIP, baby." Well, awesome. Victoria, have a good time at that. All right, we got a couple more segments as we take you into the weekend. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, more to come on the ref. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel is bringing you the final hour of the rush on this Friday. That's Patty Gasso, not from today, but from yesterday, and no mention of Jordy Ball in there. Huh, it has been announced that Jordy Ball will not pitch this weekend, OU is saying, because of soreness. I hope that's the reason. I hope she's available for regionals, super regionals, and beyond. I, I am a little bit skeptical of that. But that is the big development after OU wins today. Did Oklahoma State end up beating Texas, or is that game still going on? Game's still going. Texas has been has been threatening. They had two on with the tie run at the plate and just 
couldn't get one out of the uh, infield. OSU made a great play. The shortstop did to get him out of the inning. So Texas has been threatening, uh, but OSU is still on top 4-1. All right, well, uh, looking like Oklahoma State might face off against OU tomorrow, but the big story is the development of Jordy Ball, what her health is, we don't know. Um, and OU could be telling the truth on this. It could be soreness, and if it is just soreness, then it's not a big deal. But, again, I'm, I'm skeptical that that is you know, what's going on here. Can OU win a national championship if Jordy Ball is available, uh, unavailable, I should say, this postseason? If you go by the numbers, the, 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 yeah, it's an absolute yes. Uh, Hope Troutwine's been one of the best pitchers in college softball, and then Nicole May had probably her best outing of the year against Oklahoma State. I'm going to guess she's going to get some playing time tomorrow. But that is the question, Travis. Can they win at all without Jordy Ball in the circle? I mean, of course. Of course they can. Um, you'd obviously like to have her back. She's one of the best pitchers in the country, one of the most electric college athletes in the country across, across all sports. But, I mean, there are there are seven pitchers in the country right now that have a sub-1 ERA. Oklahoma has three of them. So, and Hope has the best ERA in the country. So, again, an embarrassment of riches with this team if any other team said, hey, we've got two of the seven pitchers with a sub-1 ERA, they'd feel incredible about their staff. And we should feel incredible about our staff if we yeah. are just down one. Yeah, because the thing is, and, and you would count on Hope Troutwine and Nicole May to be good in regional, super regionals in the Women's College World Series. Would they be just downright dominant as a duo? Well, I, there would be times against the best lineups where you would give up runs. But what you're saying is true. The good news here is that you can still rely on a lineup that not only hits for average, but hits a ton of home runs and has a lot of experience up and down the order. And that is huge when we're talking about the WCWS. Virginia Tech got a real good softball team this year. But Virginia Tech's new to the party, man, and it's hard to win it if you've never been on that stage before. Florida State got some experience. Florida's got some experience. Certainly Alabama does as well. But there's probably not another team in college softball that has more college women's college World Series experience than OU up and down that lineup. So you can still lean on that lineup that has the home run queen hitting in the middle of the order in Jocelyn Aldo. It's not the situation that you want. The ideal situation is for Jordy Ball to be in the circle. But if she's not available, I think this team will rise to the challenge. The road gets a lot tougher, but in no way do I think that they're completely out of this thing. Yeah, the, mar the margin of error is all that changes. I mean, other teams right now have to play absolutely perfect, and it's still sometimes not enough. It's most of the time not enough against this Oklahoma team. And it's wild the way we even talk about them now. It's... You know what? If you play these really good teams in the Women's College World Series, you're going to give up some runs, which is just insane because we're having you know six-game stretches, seven-game stretches in the season where we don't give up multiple runs in a game. So I think there's a healthy balance between, okay, are we just a little spoiled that you know we just hardly ever have to play more than five innings, or is this an actual concern? So it's probably somewhere in the middle. I know that this is a premature conversation, but I do want to put it out there, okay? Because uh, on uh, my podcast, Diamond Envy, that covers just OU softball, that's what we do there. G. Juarez coming up tonight as a guest, by the way. No big deal. But I I've been kind of like 
let's talk about OU being known as the best softball team of all time. Now, they have to finish the job and they have to win the national championship, but I think that that is still obtainable even after the one regular season loss. If OU rolls through and only has one loss and win the Natty, I think they'll be forever known as the best college softball team ever. If they win the national championship without Jordy Ball, Forget about it. I don't even want to hear an argument uh, after the tournament is concluded. If OU goes and wins this thing and Jordy Ball does not pitch one inning in the postseason, it's the best softball team of all time. Yeah, there's there's really no question. And obviously last year's team, you look at national champions, you've got some all-timers on that team, and all of a sudden we're better statistically this year and I'm not sure you can say that about a lot of other teams uh, in our competition. Obviously, we talk about the Alabamas and the Florida States of the world. Obviously, the OSUs. Um, OSUs, you know, trying to close out this game against Texas. But, I mean, Alabama lost their game to Missouri, you know, the first, first game of the SEC tournament. Did they lock their comments on their Twitter page? After yeah, that? see, see they've, they locked their comments after – it was sometime after the A&M series – and then they lost a game to uh, somebody they shouldn't have, uh, like very much who they shouldn't have. And But I wasn't sure whether – the timeline is still kind of in the air about uh, kind of why they did it, when they did it. But, yeah, the comments Spoiled are – Spoiled Alabama fans getting in there, the most unrealistic fan base in all of college football. And, hey, I, I bowed down to the success they've had, but it is – what they view is success. It's not reality, man. They they should live uh, a couple months like the rest of us for a while to get a little perspective on how college football actually operates, man. Yeah. But yeah, it, it'll be a it'll be an interesting postseason. Regardless, the best thing, the absolute best thing that could happen to OU, if Jordy Ball is unavailable for a decent period of time, best thing that happens. Nicole May starts tomorrow. She's great, and they beat Oklahoma State, a good Oklahoma State team in the Big 12 championship. That's best-case scenario. That gives her a ton of confidence going into the regionals. That gives the rest of the team confidence. That gives Patty Gasso confidence in her. And I'm not saying that those things don't exist now. It's just, you know, clearly it's best-case scenario if she's the one that goes out and gets you the win. Well, you see it happen across sports. It's developing depth and developing confidence in your two deep, three deep, I mean, depending on what sport you're talking about, if uh, if – Somebody ahead of you on the proverbial depth chart goes out, you know, you get that opportunity to have real meaningful time, real meaningful game action, and that pays dividends down the road. So, yeah, th- this certainly uh, can not be all bad. You know, there there are some fringe benefits in here, no yeah. doubt. Western Kentucky on the text line. That's, right. that's who it was. Right. All right, one final segment as we take you into the weekend. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We'll wrap it up next.